Welcome to the Swirl Speed, everybody. So this week, we are continuing our conversation to celebrate Women's History Month. We talked to Kristen and Rhonda of J. Lore. J. Lore is a family-owned wine estate located in California's Central Coast. They launched the 2023 hashtag Women. It's a campaign that's a first of its kind. Their purpose is to elevate women's voices in the industry and create new opportunities for professional entry into wine. We talked to Rhonda, who is the VP of Marketing, and Kristen, who is the winemaker, while drinking Kristen's wines, which are absolutely wonderful. I drank both bottles already, so go to Jaylor and, and order the white blend that we tasted and the Chardonnay, which was fantastic. But this is a great conversation that we have with Rhonda and Kristen, and we talk about their efforts for women from this point on that's going to continue after the campaign is over. We hope you enjoy. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share this episode. Tell us what you think. Cheers. Welcome to the Swirl Suite, everybody. Hey, Leslie, how are you today? I am good. How are you doing, Serena? I am still recovering from New York, but um, <laughs> but it was good. Um, as I mentioned in the last episode, I just got back from the Roots Fund Big Charity Gala, and it was my first time working as a sommelier. And so are you going to make a career change from media to sound? Girl, no. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> I am exhausted. <laughs> okay. So like I described in the last episode, um, I served as a sommelier. So dinner was being served and we had five wines, five Roots Fund wines that we had to serve with each course, in addition to registered wines that the guests brought to show off at each table. So I was, listen, it was my first time using a Durin. I was, I was opening wine that was like 30 years old. I was ner- a nervous wreck, but, um, but you did a great job. I know you did. And I it was it even- took me, it took me a minute. I had a lot of help and I was, of course, I was the one who had to serve Akimi's table right in front of the stage. I was like, girl, just please don't trip and fall. Don't spill no wine on anybody. That's all I'm asking. Well, but- I saw your pictures and I want to say. You were doing it in cute shoes. I was, yeah. Well, yeah, exactly. And that would have made me even more memorable had I messed up. So, uh, but no, it turned out really well. Was it? Yeah, it was great. It was, it was a phenomenal um, gala and um, we had a great after party um, with a lot of good snacks. Um, Yeah, it was great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was great. I learned a whole lot. That's so cool. That's good. Well, I want to, Definitely. Like I told you before, I, I want to go, but I was in Vegas this weekend. How was that? Well, I still have my Vegas hair. <laughs> so I got a pony. I got a ponytail. Oh, for Vegas. Look at you. I know. Look at I, know. I like it. Yeah. I, you know what? I didn't ask anybody how to take it down. So if anybody has suggestions, how to get this ponytail out, please let oh, me know. Oh, wait. Because- Did you have time to go to the cheese shop? Remember, we interviewed the woman with the cheese shop. She does the wine and cheese in Vegas. Yeah, no. Okay. Yeah. No, okay. no, there's only, I mean, I don't know what it is about Vegas, but um, 5 a.m. seems to be the bedtime. I don't, I don't wow. know why. Okay. But 
It does. Okay. Yeah. And you know, I've never been. You've never? I've never been to been? Vegas. No. Oh my. It's like a, um, a time suck. Like you're there. <laughs> and this time I didn't, I didn't even gamble. But I went to, you know, I went to go see Usher Baby. Okay. And um, uh, and then, you know, we we went out to various after places mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But it, it just seems, I don't know if it's the air, but you're like, oh, it's five o'clock. I guess I should go to bed now. You oh know? Goodness. Wow. Kind of a situation. Yeah. It is um, it is an adult play area. Okay. Mm-hmm. Were you tired when you got back? Did it does it take you a little time to recover? I wasn't tired, but I sleep very well on the plane oh, or planes. It. So as soon as it's like um, I don't know, like the a baby's nookie or something, <laughs> as soon as I put that seatbelt on, I'm like <laughs> uh, I'm like, what? But, We're here already? Oh, yeah. one more thing. Did you know? I'm sure you know this. But I just learned that you can bring alcohol on a train, on the Amtrak. Yes. I didn't know that. I, oh, First of all, I didn't know that until me and the girl I was traveling with saw this man pull out a full bottle of wine and take it to the head. I said, is this what we can do here? Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you. I, um, and then, you know, there's the, there's the, there's the Amtrak and then there's the Maryland commuter train that okay. leaves from Union Station also. Okay. And there, I think the liquor store is gone, but there's a lot of people who live in Baltimore and they take the train down. It's okay. actually faster than driving down, but there was a line at this itty bitty liquor store and they sold singles there. Like you could get a big old, you know, 40 ounce or what have you. <laughs> And because people would get lit up on the train <laughs> by the time they got to the other side of Baltimore, they were sober and, and it was just like a party. all wow. And then one time I sat next to this man and he pulled out his big old 40 ounce of whatever. And he was like, you want some? Like he just offered it to me pre-COVID days, of course. I'm like, I'm not drinking after you. And then he pulls out a bag of chips and he's like, you want some? You know, I tell my wife that this beer is good for my heart. So that's why she lets me drink a oh 40 ounce every day. <laughs> but yes, wow. you can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I was very pleased and I'm going to look at the train totally different. Now, I already enjoy the train, but yes. we're going to really enjoy the train now. So. Yeah. Yes. And, and my, my favorite place to sit in the train is the dining car. Okay. I get that. Yeah. That's like where, like I could do work, but that's where all the fun people and the regular sit. Okay. And okay. they know the conductor and yeah, okay. it's a party. Mm-hmm. Well, it is women's history month and we have Woo-hoo! some special guests with us and cheers ladies. Welcome to the swirl suite, Kristen and Rhonda. Hey y'all. Hi, thank you so much for having us. Of course, of course. How are you guys doing? Hi, good. Really good. Thank you for having us on here. We are sitting here enjoying the wine that you sent us. But before we talk about that, please introduce yourselves to everyone and tell them what you do at JLore. <laughs> that sounds great. Kristen, did you want to go first? Sure, I'm happy to. <laughs> Hi, I'm Kristen Barnheisel. I'm the winemaker for White Wines here at uh, J. Lower. 
And uh, I've been in the industry for a little bit. Yeah, I grew up in Sonoma County uh, and pretty much on the catwalks at Simi Winery. Uh, I, back in the day, my mom was microbiologist at Simi uh, back in the day when Zelma Long was, was winemaker there back in the 80s. And so I kind of grew up on the catwalks there. Uh, but my undergraduate's in Italian literature. And so it was over there in Italy that I fell in love with wine and then came back and like, you know, this is a conduit to conversation and really bringing people together around the table. And so I came back, went to UC Davis and I worked uh, a little bit uh, up in Washington state at Columbia Crest Winery up there. And I worked at a few wineries in Sonoma County and North Bay, uh, notably probably Jordan Winery and Handley Cellars. I was the winemaker there up in Anderson Valley for eight years. Um, and before this, I was at Inglenook before coming here and meeting the lower family and bring all that experience here to Jay Lower here in Monterey. <laughs> I really, uh, I really love being able to work with these vineyards here in Arroyo Seco. So, and get to work with fabulous women like like Rhonda. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, back at you, Kristen. So, um, I'm Rhonda Motil. I'm vice president of marketing at J. Lor Vineyards and Wines. I've been with J. Lor uh, last week. It was ten years, and it's been a decade that has just flown by, and has had many, many. Uh, good things and blessings. So similar to a lot of folks, um, wine was not my first career. Uh, I was actually in the tech industry uh, and did technology for about 10 years. And I worked at a variety of different companies, including several different startups during the dot-com boom. Uh, that's what got me from uh, Pennsylvania and Ohio out to California uh, in the late 90s. Uh, so the technology industry was super fun. I learned a lot, launched a lot of great products, uh, but had reached a stage where I really wanted to dive into some of the lifestyle aspects of California and really enjoy, um, you know, what California was known for. So in my uh, very limited free time when I was in the industry, I would go out and I would explore tasting rooms and explore different wine regions in uh, California and I got to a point where I was just ready for a career change. And I applied for a position as the executive director of the Monterey Vintners and Growers Association. So as you ladies know, each regional association has a trade association where the goal of the association is to um, bring about the greater good of the region and build brand awareness for the region as a whole. So I had the good fortune for, with my first job in the wine industry to be able to see many different brands and many different uh, growers and different aspects and learn from them. Um, I did that for about 10 years and then had my opportunity to hop on over to JLOR uh, 10 years ago. I started off in a senior marketing director capacity and have been a VP of marketing now for about six years. You guys have very impressive resumes, I have to say. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. you. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. My goodness. So, Kristen, what was it like growing up with wine? And it took you to go to Italy to actually fall in love with wine, <laughs> even though you grew up with it? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, very, very good point. Um, uh, it, it was, you know what it was? It was, it was like the family business. You know, it's kind of like what you do and like, okay, everybody in the family's, you know, uh, I have other relatives that are also in the industry too. And um, I think wine was always on the table from when I was young. And and for me, you know, for special occasions, things like Christmas and Easter could try a little sip, kind of more, maybe more European in style, but my parents really always enjoyed having wine on the table. So, um, so I appreciated that, but it wasn't something that I 
could, I guess I took as my own until I went to Italy in terms of, I actually, when I was uh, there in, uh, in Padova, so just outside of Venice, uh, it was, I was in an Erasmus house. So I, I think part of the appreciation was uh, just having this multicultural, so Erasmus, sorry, is the, um, cult, the exchange program within Europe. So from Spain and Germany and Britain, uh, and, and of course, Italy. So, so really, you know, wine and sitting around the table was, was our connection and our chance to talk together and Italian being the only common language <laughs> was our chance to really connect. So it, yeah, it, did, it kind of was a different appreciation really for sure in terms of coming together around the table and, uh, and really exploring what, what wine could offer with and pairing with the food. So it was, a, yeah, it was, I guess a different, uh, a different perspective on wine that for me, it was just like, I grew up in wine country in Sonoma County. So <laughs> I had to appreciate that from an outside angle, sort of. <laughs> and for me, it's such a blessing and a pleasure to be paired with Kristen because I grew up in Pennsylvania. And when you grow up in Pennsylvania in the eighties, um, it's a total different wine industry and wine was not on our dinner table. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I really didn't get exposed to the wine industry until I was, you know, well into my late 20s. And um, even at that time, when I had a, you know, a professional job and was an executive in the high tech industry, it was just this big mystery to me. Um, so I would walk into a tasting room and all of a sudden I'd be a little bit shy and a little naive because it was such a foreign world. Um, I didn't know very much about the varietals and that, you know, different grapes grew well in different places. So it was really an educational experience for me in my late 20s um, that I was just fortunate to come upon. So Kristen, before we get into why you guys are here, uh, tell us what we're drinking. Oh, sure. Sure. <laughs> of course. We've got two wines in front of us. Um, we've got our RVG blend, um, which uh, is our Rhone white blend. Um, a great, a great start actually. So this uh, one comes from Paso Robles. So I'm here in, in Monterey. So we're about 20 miles due south uh, here in, in Monterey and in Arroyo Seco, due south of Monterey Bay. And then Paso Robles being another hour further south from us and a bit warmer region, although this vineyard is really just in Adelaide district. So the western, most Western part of, uh, of uh, Paso Robles in terms of sub AVAs. And this blend is actually RVG. The base of the blend is Roussan, about half Roussan, um, about 35% or so is Grenache Blanc for some really nice green apple. Roussan's there for the texture. And then we have some really nice uh, Grenache Blanc in there that gives you that, the nice acidity and a little apple and melon flavor. And then of course the top hat is really the Viognier, which gives you that really nice fruit hat and uh, more of the citrus and, and white peach aromas. So very excited to be able to, we grow this in Western Paso and then the fruits handpicked there and brought to our winery here in Monterey for fermentation. This wine is wonderful. It's um, really good. Glad you like it. Yeah. I'm glad you like it. I really, you know, inspiration in Southern France as we, as we can, you know, I, that's really for me, for each of our wines, for Sauvignon Blanc, uh, of course, for Chardonnay and, and for the Rhone varieties. It's really old world is in terms of inspiration and, and looking for models. I, um, before you joined us, I said, I wish I could put the cork back in it and just hold on to it mm. because it's, it's, it's fancy wine. Like 
that's <laughs> special occasions with only people who understand an ounce about wine. I'm not, I would not share this <laughs> with just anyone. It is very nice. Thank you. Thank, thank you very much. Just really look for that nice balance in the glass, but it can't age. This wine can age, you know, it's yeah. like five, seven mm-hmm. years easily, probably. Yeah. With the, that acidity that we get, that natural, natural freshness. Yeah. We, we, um, we tend to ferment in, in uh, actually you'll see on it, French, French oak. And then we use uh, uh, poly tanks, which are actually about 260 gallons and keep some freshness as well as large volume. So we get some texture and, and some real freshness because there's less oxygen coming in than barrels even in these poly tanks. And then, uh, and then of course some punch, the acacia punches. And, and acacia also gives that really nice mouthfeel without without really being very toasted. It just um, very light toast, but then really great texture. So so yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah, I appreciate this. It's really fun to play with these varieties a little bit in Paso that we get to work with. Yeah. So um, when you're blending this, do you age them separately and then blend them? We do, we do. And okay. we do a, a, a smattering of different styles of containers so that we have mm-hmm. some neutral French oak, we have some acacia oak, some acacia punchins and, and these poly tanks. And then like today was just the day for the 2022 wines. I'll go through when we make this blend and chalk each one with the number of gallons and you know just make sure that blend is just right getting into bottle. But yeah, it is, it, so it is barrel by barrel. Uh, for this little blend. It's what, about 200 cases that we make. So, so very small, very small and limited. Mm -hmm. The best of the best goes to, goes to this RVG blend. So, yeah. And so tell us about this Chardonnay. Oh yeah. Yeah. So yes, this is, and this is our Ode to Burgundy. (laughs) Mm. So Roy Vista Chardonnay Uh, talking about again, the best of the best. Um, we grow these grapes in Arroyo Seco here in, in Monterey County. So again, we're 20 miles due south of Monterey Bay. Um, we're fortunate enough to get wind down the Salinas Valley, and also, which actually extends our growing season. So we get this great texture with our Chardonnays as well as higher acidity. Uh, so this is actually hand-picked. Um, we have different clones. If you I don't know if you work with Dijon clones or know a little bit about them. Um, Clones being more like uh, flavors of an apple, I would say. So if you know, like a pink, a pink lady is different from a golden delicious, different than a Fuji. So yeah. we have many different, uh, like four or five different clones that go into this Chardonnay blend that all, all offer either texture or some of those high-toned fruit like pears and apples or some more floral characters. And uh, the most recent one we get to work with is Mount Eden clone, which is actually originated here in Santa Cruz in the Santa Cruz mountains back in the day in the 1800s. So um, some heritage clones of Chardonnay here in California, but we, we hand harvest these and, and bring them into the winery. And then it's all fermented in French oak, about 45% new. So we get some of that oak kind of vanilla and baking spices from that. Uh, we're lee stirring every week. Uh, by hand and then topping every three weeks on the barrels. So um, so again, getting that nice texture from leaf stirring throughout aging and it's about 10 months in oak. So we get the nice fruit and it's complemented with a little bit of malolactic as you can taste, maybe 80% through malolactic. 
and then um and then that little bit of oak sweetness on the finish it's a beautiful chardonnay it's yeah these are stunning so what um, what's going on in the winery right now oh yeah it's a good time so in the winery we're actually making some of these small um direct-to-consumer blends that are a couple two or three hundred cases like the rpg and then we're making also uh, we have a vineyard designate sauvignon blanc and a pinot blanc as well that we're putting together um we're actually and then we're actually probably in a month looking at starting to put together our chardonnay blends so it's very exciting kind of we clear off the smaller lots first a little bit we've already just bottled last week we just finished the sauvignon blanc and the riesling our flume crossing sauvignon blanc which is a larger blend you can probably find it um, at the stores there um the flume crossing sauvignon blanc and then the monterey roots riesling also you can find uh, you know in most in most stores so we finished those are early blends that we just finished and now a few of these blends um, very pretty exciting times. We just had snow this last week here in Arroyo Seco. <laughs> At the same time that that we have a few of the vines starting to push buds, so we've, we're already starting the 23 growing season, even with some of the rains and the cold, the chill that's in California just now. I heard snow is uh is not too bad for the vines. It's almost like a insulation. Exactly, exactly. And it does, it can insulate and help keep things up to, you know, 32. Mm. Almost like, almost like, uh, you know, an igloo would, would protect if you're in right. snow. The, it can be the same thing for the vines. And so, so yes, and fortunately for us, the snow is in the kind of the Santa Lucia mountains. Uh, so a little bit off the valley floor, the valley floor is a little, probably a little bit warmer than it is getting up in the mountains in the Santa Lucias. So that's kind of what's going on. It's exciting times here at the winery. Jaylor is celebrating Women's History Month with a fantastic campaign called Hashtag Jaylor Women. Tell us how this gets started. Great. Well, I'd love to. So Hashtag Jaylor Women is such a special campaign for us. And uh, we actually started it seven years ago. So we were a little bit at the forefront um, in the industry of really showcasing uh, diversity um, at all levels and cross departments, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, but the impetus for this seven years ago was to really speak to our consumer. And one of the things from you know a marketing and a business uh, standpoint that we saw was that a lot of females were not getting brought into the conversation uh, about wine. Um, you know, you still saw a lot of the serious wines being uh, represented, but without female representation in terms of advertisements, programming, social media, um, respected influencers and ambassadors. And we wanted to move the needle and starting to change that. Um, so our first campaign was a little toe in the water. We did a social media effort and really tried to engage our community and our audiences on uh, Facebook. And we were at the time, you know, starting to dabble in Instagram, et cetera, and on our website and through e-news communications back then to get women involved. What were they looking for in wines? Why did they enjoy wine? Where did they enjoy wine? And then we took those lessons learned over the past couple of years and built out a robust campaign that you can see in stores across the United States, as well as digitally um, in an e-commerce world, 
of um, a, an initiative now that's called hashtag jailer women join the conversation. And the conversation is all about not now, not only just consumers enjoying wine, but how can we make a difference in the industry so that you see more uh, talented winemakers like Kristen um, being able to explore their talents and take leadership roles at wineries and in the vineyards. Um, so we're starting to see a push of the needle on that, which is really exciting. Um, so it's a marketing initiative. It's a diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative, but it's something that's really built into the core of who JLOR is. Um, as you know, Kristen makes all of our white wines. Uh, we do also have a, um, a female co-owner in Cynthia Lore, um, who's at one of the helms of uh, running the company. Uh, myself as a vice president of marketing, uh, we do also have a vice president of national account sales, vice president of international sales, who is a female. So, you know, we're walking the walk with this campaign and we just want to make sure that, um, you know, we get females who have an interest in joining the conversation and being in the industry, making sure that they have those opportunities to be able to do that. Yeah. And if I could share too, just in terms of the production um, to see that like uh, the, the assistant vineyard manager here in Greenfield and to see, you know, I, since I've been here, we have female forklift drivers and on the cellar floor every day. And that's just great to see too. I think tradition, traditionally in production, women have been in the lab. So it is really great to see them full through production and the bottling as well and other parts of production. I was going to ask, I, I think this is great. Um, and how you're able to have those conversations and make sure that um, people are are able to access places that they didn't before. How do you have the conversation? How do I say this? How do you have the conversation to make sure that you don't ever have to have the conversation again? Yeah, that's a, you know, that's a great question. I mean, I think starting from the very beginning, we recognized that it needed to be an inclusive conversation. You know, it wasn't just a, a bunch of females that were together saying, we're going to have a campaign, you know, and building it from <laughs> underground. You know, we were fortunate that we had a lot of male allies within our company, as well as in our extensive um, distributor network and account network. Uh, to be able to support the cause. Uh, J-Lore has the very good fortune that next year we'll be celebrating 50 years um, as a winery um, underneath the same family ownership. So that's that's pretty special and getting to be very, very rare in the industry. Um, so with that said, um, Jerry, has, Jerry Lore, who is our founder, um, has prided himself on relationship building and making sure that the most qualified person is in a role. And I've seen that in you know, my 20 years of knowing Jerry and the family. And I've known that, that he, that's been in his ethos for the 50 years that he founded the company. Um, so I think that making sure that you, know, you have a strong uh, network of supporters, of folks who aren't just like you launching a campaign such as this. Um, so I think just making sure that when you do embark on um, something of this nature that could be viewed as con uh, controversial or, 
you know, sparking some feathers that making sure that you have it planned out as getting as inclusive as possible from the very beginning is really important. So can you talk about what the actual conversation is and where it takes place? I was reading about your LinkedIn Live and Shadow Days. Yeah. So as I said, we've been, um, we've, we're in our seventh year of the campaign. So each year we try to do something different with it. Like two years ago, we launched a gratitude initiative where we had an online journal that anyone could come in and just give a shout out to a female who has inspired them. That could be, you know, a beloved mama, that could be an aunt, that could be a a mentor as someone was starting off in their career. And what we discovered was, wow, people had a lot of, you know, women uh, in their lives who took added steps to make sure that they could get to where they were at in their career. So that was one method for us a couple of years ago uh, to get women into the mix of joining the conversation. This year, um, we wanted to take a really tangible step and that we're launching a program um, with Shadow Days. Uh, What we're doing, um, we've already hosted two of our uh, LinkedIn Live events, uh, which are available on our website right now, if anyone would like to um, review them. One of the uh, shadow uh, events, the LinkedIn Live events, was focused on marketing and the discipline of marketing. Uh, We had uh, Cynthia Lohr included in that, as well as our social media and public relations manager, and then a designer. Um, And that was moderated by our HR director. And they just all talked about how they got into the industry. Um, Was it a smooth sale or were there some barriers along the way? Um, How, what they'd recommend from anyone that would like to get into the wine industry in that sort of capacity, how they do that. And it was just a really engaging dialogue. So that was the first in the series. Um, The second in the series was a sales uh, live event and similar in nature. Um, What we did was we profiled, though, a couple of different sales roles, because I think when people think of, you know, wine sales, they think of your typical going into an account and selling wine and pitching your brand and then closing the sale and then going on to the next one. But, you know, as we all know, there's lots of different roles in sales. So we had our um, director of direct to consumer who really is on the hospitality front. So welcoming guests to our wine centers and tasting rooms in Paso Robles, as well as San Jose. She talked a little bit about her journey into that role. Uh, We also had uh, a national accounts representative, which is more of what you think of as your traditional, you know, sales roles with our large accounts. And then we had a a regional sales uh, representative from, you know, more of your area out on the East Coast. And uh, she did a great job talking about a little bit more of that, you know, handholding that's needed with um, some independent accounts and local accounts that she's built such strong relationships with over the past 30 years. So that was the sales event. And then our last one is coming up on March 23rd. And that one is in Kristen's line of uh, expertise. So uh, we're talking about wine sciences and, you know, the hardcore of being in the vineyard, uh, being in the lab, being a winemaker, and what it takes to be um, a female professional in, in that area. 
Um, once all of the lives are done, we are going to be selecting some winners, which is really exciting. And that's the most rewarding part of this program for me. Um, on our website, if you go out to jlor.com uh, uh, backslash women, you'll find a very brief application. And what we're looking for is people to just view the LinkedIn live events and, um, you know, tell us what you learned and why you would want to get into the wine industry. Then we'll be hosting um, two sessions for each discipline. So two in sales, two in marketing, and two in the wine sciences. Uh, one will be a California session for a winner where someone who resides in California will be able to actually come out in that discipline and meet with female leaders uh, and walk them through a shadow day of what it's like to be a vice president of marketing or a winemaker, which is a pretty cool experience. Uh, the second opportunity will be a virtual event. So recognizing that the uh, many folks outside of California that have full-time jobs and can't leave that for a day or two, but might want to dabble into becoming a, a SOM or might want to dabble into wine education and really want to tap into how they get their feet wet, we'll be hosting a similar session, but it'll be virtual with those same leaders. We're really excited about it. You know, it's yeah. a really great engagement off opportunity with bringing up, you know, folks that really want to get into the industry and just maybe really don't know how to do it. And um, it could be a college student and it could be someone that's in another career and wants their next journey and, you know, wants to dabble into learning a little bit more and doesn't really have the opportunity of having uh, an expert in the field to really touch base with. So yeah, we're thrilled with this program. It's the first time we've ever done this. And really, we hadn't really heard that it's been done in the industry before. So it's a little novel. Um, I don't know if you've heard about the women in wine in DC and how that got created. So um, <clears throat> sometime last year, there was an article written. I, I can't remember exactly, but someone in the article, a man, said that they didn't know any female sommeliers in DC. And uh, it pissed a lot of people off. A local sommeliers got together and they created a complete database of women in wine in D.C. who work as sommeliers. And they have events every quarter. And Leslie and I have um, attended them. And, and it's been great. It's been great to meet a lot of women who work in wine in our own city. Is there a database like that uh, for you all yet? That's a great question, and there will be shortly. So there's a great organization called Women of the Vine and Spirits, and uh, Cynthia Lohr is on the board, and then I'm on the advisory committee for the foundation, which is the uh, C3 uh, philanthropic arm of that group. Uh, but they are launching a database uh, starting tomorrow and then a, a physical debut at the end of the month at a large conference called WSWA, where uh, anyone as a consumer or a trade professional will be able to go in and do a search on wines crafted by female winemakers or um, a winery that has female leadership um, at a certain level. And it's pretty exciting for us because as you were saying, in a lot of cases, the only resort right now is just to do a Google search <laughs> if you want to support, you know, on um, female owned retail shops or female owned restaurants, you know, there's not really a great central repository for a lot of industries. So this will be one of the first of its kind um, across the U.S. to be able to do that sort of search. It is um, challenging 
being on the other side as a buyer. And I um, say to my distributors, I'm looking for wines that are made or owned by women or minorities. And many of them don't know. Or they don't, um, or it's a very, it's a very limited list that the salesperson has put together because other clients have asked. So it's, it's, um, there's still a, a segment out there that does not understand the value of having that diverse portfolio. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's interesting because the initial name of this database was going to be a women power database. And now it's a diverse database so that it can do exactly what you're saying. It's going to go beyond um, doing a search for women and also, uh, you know, get into minority owned small business, et cetera. So um, it's going to make, I think, a lot of jobs a lot easier. But for consumers who do have preferences and certain passions for making sure that they're supporting uh, products and businesses that are uh, deep with what they would like to support. It'll be an easy way for the in the wine industry to be able to see that. Is that also one of the strategies for diversity and inclusion, like making this ongoing outside of the campaign? Without a doubt. And that was one of the first questions, you know, that I was asked a couple of years ago, because um, the campaign has a duration, obviously, as with most things, you know, you have to have something new and fresh all the time when you're going out into the market, it can't be the same thing all the time. But this is a you know, not something that goes away on, you know, March 30th, when it's done, it's not like, okay, done with that, move into the Chardonnay campaign. I mean, it has to be deep, deep um, ongoing throughout the year. So uh, we do have other initiatives uh, throughout the year that are tied to uh, women's awareness, women's equality, um, continuing to showcase diverse spaces within our marketing programs. So it's something that, you, you know, clearly won't end when this month ends. All right. So tell us one more time how listeners can join the rest of the conversation. Okay. Well, you know, go out to jlord.com backslash Jailer Women, and there's a whole list of resources that you can find on joining the conversation. There's details on our um, LinkedIn Live events. There's previous uh, versions of the events. There's the application that we talked about. Uh, there's profiles on women leaders at the company. Uh, we have wine packs that are female inspired. So I know you two ladies love the wines that we picked out for you today. So <laughs> we have um, some females through that throughout the company that have picked their uh, their dream wine pack with uh, a couple of wines in there that they feel, you know, are perfect for their uh, their lifestyle and their palate. So I'd recommend seeing that. And then uh, join us on our social media channels as well. You know, Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, and uh, join the conversation there. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much. So now we will take a short break and we will do our closeout questions. Looking for somewhere to advertise? Consider the Swirl Suite podcast. Yep, right here. The Swirl Suite is now open for pre-roll advertisements, mid-roll advertisements, or post-roll advertisements. Some of our packages even include a social media shout out. If you're interested in sponsoring one episode or perhaps more, simply email us at swirlsuite at gmail.com. 
Cheers. Leslie, did you want to share anything that you're doing this week um, for Women's History Month before we ask the cool, cool closeout questions? Well, I'm not doing anything this week, but we have our our two our charity event and our brunch. If I can share that. Yes, go for it. So we have a weekend of women's history activities. And on March 25th, we have a charity wine tasting. And part of the proceeds will benefit the House of Ruth, which is a wonderful charity in the Washington, D.C. area that helps um, moms and um, women get back on their feet. And we're making donations to the wish list. So we're excited about that. That's in D.C. And then on the 26th, we have a champagne brunch and um, a panel discussion on um, how women are changing the face of the beverage industry. So we're excited about that. And of course, we're going to have champagne and we'll have special signature um, vodka cocktails. And because it's like the ultimate women's event, we have a stylist who has done a lookbook for us. So if you're not, this is what I love about women. Like I will get emails saying, well, what's the attire? What do I wear? So we have a stylist who has put a lookbook together so you can flip through it and see the different ideas of outfits that you can wear for there. But it will just be a very fun event, a lot of shopping. Um, if you need a new headshot, you can take a headshot there. Oh, that's and wonderful. Yeah, you can do a headshot. And um, we're rolling out the pink carpet. Not the red carpet, but the pink carpet. So please join us. Go to thewineconcierge.co and you can learn more about it. Thanks, Rita. You're welcome. I love that. I love that. Okay. So these are our closeout questions. And these questions are all about your favorite women. Okay. The first one is just for Kristen and Rhonda. If you had to choose a song for the J. Lore women campaign, what would it be? Ah, oh, gosh. I would say there's a song by Katy Perry called Roar. And it was from a couple of years ago. And one of the lines in there is about something about afraid to rock the boat and make a mess. And it's one of the early lines in there. And I think that that's what this campaign is about. It's a little bit of a disruptor. It's a little bit uncomfortable in some spots, but, um, you know, taking power and ownership uh, is really important at this stage, I think, in our industry and in the world. So, um, yeah, Roar would be my song. <laughs> I think for me, um, what I've been listening to is Diamonds by Rihanna and just shine bright and and just also reflect that internal strength, um, strong like a diamond. So I appreciate that. And I think that really uh, describes what how I see JLo or women. So, yeah. I love it. Those are great suggestions. It's awesome. Okay. This one is for everybody. Who is your favorite actress? I love Octavia Spencer. I love everything she's in. <laughs> Absolutely everything. Yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> uh, for, for me, Anne Hathaway. 
for who she is and how she Wonderful. carries herself and her style. <laughs> I think I think she does a beautiful job. <laughs> Rita, you know, there's not just one. Um, <laughs> I mean, there's so there's so many good actresses I know, now. I know. Um, uh, the Regina's, yeah. Regina Hall, um, and um, the newest EGOT. I love her. Viola um, Davis. Yes. 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 I'm with you on that too. Actually. Yeah. Yes. I, yes. Yeah. I love her clunky walk. <laughs> strong, right? Yes. Isn't yes. it? Isn't it? Very strong. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Those are, well, and, and, um, yeah. Yeah. I just could go. I know on. the list goes on. It I does. know it does. Okay. Um, the, this was really hard for me, but I think my top two would probably be Kerry Washington. And let me tell you something, anything that Meryl Streep is in, I'm down, whatever it is, I'm sorry, she can do no wrong. It's yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah she's I heard. Yeah. Wide variety of, of characters too. Right, right. Yeah. Crazy range. Yes. Yeah. Okay, who is your favorite woman author? Oh, I was going to say, I like an author called Jodi Pakal. I read a lot of her stuff. She's got a lot of twists and mm -hmm. turns and she profiles characters and you think you have this one character down and that's the way that is the right way. And then all of a sudden another character comes in and you get it from their perspective. And I think it really opens your mind about not judging a story from the very beginning. So I like her twists and turns. I read a lot of her books. She'd be my favorite. For me, I would go ahead. Go ahead, Leslie. No, 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 no. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, I was gonna say just uh, for me, just continue with Maya Angelou. Actually, you know, uh, I think she's probably my favorite of of all time. And uh, her most most what sticks with me most is "Wouldn't Trade Nothing for My Journey Now." And uh, really, it resonates with me in the the twists and turns of life and where you find inspiration. I'm going to say my favorite author was my, the first author that I loved, which is Judy Bloom. Very cute. Oh yeah. Um, my favorite author is Tia Williams. She writes fiction novels and it's just one of those, the way she writes, you just talk back to the book, like it's a girlfriend. And that's just the way she speaks throughout the, um, character developments and the stories and yes I love Tia and she's uh, she's from Silver Spring so he's even better mm -hmm. okay next one what is your favorite woman-owned restaurant I have multiple answers so feel free to give <laughs> a few I could I could start sure <laughs> start um you know, it, it start, I'll start local in Monterey. In Monterey, probably my favorite is Hula's down the street. So it's cooking some really nice Hawaiian and Polynesian food. Just, just delicious. Yeah, just super authentic dishes. And um, I really appreciate what they do. Uh, in San Francisco, um, uh, Dominique Kren has, has Bar Kren and just doing great things as a, as a, as a female chef there. And uh, and then also Des up in Sonoma, I know Dusky Estes is doing some really good things in, in Healdsburg and, um, and creating food and also help facilitating um, feeding, feeding the hungry up there as well and people that, that need, need to be fed in the community and kind of working with the restaurants and, people's, uh, and, and the people that can grow 
stone fruit and things in their backyards and helping get that to people that need it in the county. So different, different restaurants, so a few different options there, but yeah, yeah, I really appreciate that. Wow, that's going to be hard to top. <laughs> um, I would probably pick, there's this great restaurant called Luna um, in downtown San Jose. So that's where I'm home based out of my offices out of San Jose. And uh, there's a restaurant that just opened up, you know, a couple of years ago during probably one of the most challenging times to open a restaurant. And uh, she opened it um, in an area that's a little bit sleepy uh, in San Jose, and it is thriving right now. And I'm so happy for her success. Um, so really uh, authentic Mexican cuisine, uh, fresh ingredients using uh, a lot of produce from the Salinas Valley. Um, and I just love what she's doing there. And who doesn't want queso at noon for lunch, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I could get it by the bowls if I could. Um, so Luna. I'm kind of embarrassed to say this, but I don't have one. I mean, I'm, I I just don't. I'm quite sure the favorite restaurants, I know, don't shake your head, Sarita, that I go <laughs> to, I don't even know. I just enjoy. I have three. Um, one is called Apero. It's a champagne and caviar bar in DC, in Georgetown. Um, and yes, uh, that's a woman owned milk and honey. It's a, it's pretty much a chain in DC now, but it's soul food and it's owned by Monique Rose. Um, you know, she doesn't own it anymore. Then she owns some, I thought she sold some locations, but still has it, but she, she sold she, it. She sold all of them. And then she opened the original milk and honey. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, well, okay. Well, yes, the original yes, milk and yes. honey. The original milk and honey. Yes. <laughs> um, and my last one, this one is a fairly new restaurant and it's near Eastern Market. It's called Duck and the Peach. And that's also woman owned. It is. Yep. <laughs> I love that restaurant. I did See, not know. so you do have one. Her I name there yes. you go. Her name is Hollis Silverman and she's the owner. Yes. Okay. Yep. All right. Last one. Name one or a few of your favorite winemakers, female winemakers. Kristen Barnheisel, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> She's a rock star. <laughs> I get the privilege of working with her every day. So <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate working with you too. <laughs> that is great. <laughs> and others, Rhonda? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, like I said, being, um, being in the good fortune of working before Jaylor, I had the opportunity to work, to work with so many different wineries. Um, so I, Sabrine Rodems would come to mind. Sabrine, uh, she got her start at San Saba Vineyards. Uh, we're about the same, you know, age. She was further along in the wine industry by the time I started the role. Um, but just a really hard worker, super talented, and um, also uh, did the Scratch brand, which is one of her own uh, ventures. So just doing some really great, unique things out of the Monterey area. So I'd give a shout out to Sabrine. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, I, of course, would give a shout out to my mentor, Zoma Long, for starters, I think. Um, 
and always have appreciated working with her over the years as my mentor and, and friend and good family friend. Um, and I think Kathy Corison's doing some great work up in, up in Napa Valley and her style with Cabernet is really, you know, delicate and balanced um, and just really fine grain tannins. And I really appreciate how, what she's doing. And I think for me too, I think Robin McBride, I got a chance to meet her at McBride Sisters. She's doing, I got to meet her at Unified Symposium and um, try their wines at the, the keynote speaker luncheon there in, Sac in Sacramento. And so really just doing great things with McBride sisters. <laughs> nice selections. Yeah. Leslie, what about you? Um, I would say Theodora from Theopolis. Mm -hmm. um, Shay Frechette. Like I, I love how they're taking risk out there. Um, Erica Crawford is a favorite and um and Eva Pimper who is um from New Zealand I enjoy hers also mm -hmm. um so I have to shout out my philosophy wine girls yes Kim yes so the first black women female winemakers in Maryland so they're a big deal here. Um, and my other one is Paula Gonzalez of Pyros Wines. She makes a phenomenal Malbec. Those are my two. <laughs> All well, right. That sounds like well, a power really list. I'm really excited right? about our list. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> got wines to try this weekend. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. So guys, that is, uh, that is a wrap. Um, please tell everybody where they can follow you. And of course, follow the campaign. Okay. Come on and visit us at jlor.com backslash jlorwomen. Uh, you can find details about, you know, women in all different types of careers um, and at all different levels on that page. So we invite you to do that. And then um, on all of our social channels at jlorwines, uh, come and dialogue with us. Um, and if anyone wants to connect personally or has any questions on getting started in the um, the industry, you know, I can be found on LinkedIn and Rhonda Motel. So, yes, I'm, I'm also can be found on on LinkedIn as well, uh, Kristen Barnheisel. Um, I'm also, of course, on Facebook and and uh, and Instagram too. So, feel free to reach out if you have any questions. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, ladies, this was so wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us and happy Women's History Month. I hope you're celebrating yourselves. We will be. Yeah, big day tomorrow in the wine industry. Women of the Vine and Spirits has their uh, Global Connect virtual conference. So Jaylor will be participating in that and showcasing one of our uh, one of our videos on diversity. So really looking forward to it. Looking forward to celebrating. We'll be raising a toast to both of you ladies. Thank you so much for having us today. Thank you very thank much. You. No, thank, thank you. No, thank you very much. You guys Cheers. have a good thank one. Cheers. 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 Happy you guys. Cheers. Nice thank meeting you. you. Leslie, nice don't go anywhere. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> Thanks for having us. Okay. Of course. Yeah, anything else comes up. Here. If you need anything, let us know. Okay. Absolutely. Thank you. Great. Yeah. Take thank care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining this world suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, 
be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino 301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.